Hello and welcome to Heart of the Faithful Ministries. Once again, this is Ron Howard. I'm your host, and I'm here again with my lovely co-host, Josephine. Hi, guys. How you doing, Josie? I'm feeling great. Man, we are five episodes in, and we are we are going to be talking about a pretty dark thing, though. Okay, uh, this uh, but this is an important thing. It's something that has kind of really colored my relationship with God. And we need to talk about it because, you know, we're, we're talking about why I will never not be a Christian. But wait, Ron, you're kind of a hypocrite because it, didn't you just say on an earlier episode that you kind of weren't? Uh, you were upset with God and you kind of did things that weren't Christian. Uh, well, yeah, kind of, you know, I mean, that's the thing about it. Okay, so here we go. 1994, I was saved. Okay, January 1994. And we talked about that a few episodes before. I believe that was the first episode we did. And we are now on episode five. We talked about some miracles. We talked about some things that happened. Well, in between all of those miracles, the first miracle would be my salvation. That would be the first one. The second one would be the fact that I had the whole God telling me something and having God say, speak to me type of thing, you know, or okay, so... Now we're going to go on uh, to kind of shortly after that, which might sound weird that after you experience such a miracle that you would kind of walk away from God. You remember that I started reading the book of John. Well, I just kept on going from the book of John to Romans and Romans is kind of a hard, I mean, it's really a hard book. I'm going to be honest with you. Even now it's a hard book because that's like actually what my men's group uh, you know, men's study group is actually studying is the book of Romans. And it's a really hard book to read. It's not little stories like, you know, David and Goliath and stuff like that. There's a lot of legalism and it's a lot of stuff in there that you got to kind of hunt and peck and you got to look at the rest of the Bible and see, oh, wait, is, was God saying this or was, you know, what is Paul saying? You know, what is God saying through Paul? What is going on? Okay, so I uh, I kind of blew through that book because honestly, when I got done reading it, I didn't understand a word that I read. I was like, what did I just even read? This is crazy. So I decided to read a book that the only book in the Bible that I think I actually ever touched. And the reason I had touched that book was because of the fact that I was so interested and in, in love with horror films. I loved horror films. I mean, like, really loved horror films. Like, so much so that, like, you know. <laughs> okay, so I was in love with horror films. But, you know, the problem with horror films is they don't express God as to who he really and truly is. He's either limited or he doesn't exist. So, that being said, it really didn't line up with who God was. But they like to use the book of Revelations a lot in horror films. So I went and I decided, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to read this book. And I got to the near the end of the book. And Josie, I read something that really, really hurt. You remember how a couple episodes ago you were talking about the fact that, you know, there were so many people that are hurting out there? Mm-hmm. And how they need Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. When I got done reading one line, one line in the book of Revelation, it said, 
and all of those who did not believe on the Lord. Basically, this is a paraphrase. They would be all cast into the lake of fire. Everyone whose name was not in the Lamb's book of life would be cast into a lake of fire, eternal fire, eternally burning. Like, that's not cool. Like, how, okay, so, wait. What are some aspects of God? He is all-powerful, right? Mm-hmm. Omnipotent. Okay? He's omniscient. He's all-knowing and he's everywhere, right? Yes. Okay. There's another omni. It's an omnibenevolent. Okay? Do you know what omnibenevolent means? No. Can you say omnibenevolent? Omnibenevolent. That was actually really good. Okay. So omnibenevolent means that he is an all-loving God. As a matter of fact, if you read in the book of John, it says very clearly that love is God's nature. God is love, right? So how can, and this is the question I'm going to ask you now, okay? How can God be all loving, but yet cast his creation that he supposedly loves into a lake of eternally burning fire. Well, if I did that, it'd probably be hard to, if I was all loving, but, um. Well, I mean, either you're all loving and you did it because you had to, or you're not all loving, right? Yeah. So. It'd be harder if I had to do it, but if I didn't, but if I didn't, like, love them, then it wouldn't be as hard. True, very true. So either God doesn't love us, or there was some kind of issue. Let's, let's, let's kind of pinpoint this. For me, I didn't know what to believe. So I went and I asked somebody. And you know what they told me? You've just got to have faith, Ron. You've just got to have faith that God knows what he's doing and it's going to be okay. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't do it because God is an amazing God. He's awesome. He saved me. His son died for me. I love God. He's so amazing. It was such an intrinsic part of who I am now. I can't do it. I cannot, I cannot follow a God who would do this. It would be better if we just disappeared. Like instead of putting us in a fire that we burn, not burning up and away, but literally just burning for eternity because it, once it's made, it can't be unmade. Okay. If you look in the world, the, this world that we have, even in a natural law, if you take a log and you throw it on the fire, okay, what are you left with? Where did the log go? In the fire. Okay, but where did that log go? Because if nothing can be unmade, in other words, energy and mass can only be transferred. So what the log did was it became what? Ashes. But before it became ashes, it became... Fire? Fire. Yeah, fire. The radiation from, okay, the fire is literally 
That is literally the reaction that is happening from because the log is the fuel, right? The heat was whatever we put to it to make it combust. But there's a third element, which is called oxygen. It's got to have oxygen for a fire to burn, okay? So a log burning up, that fire you see is literally radiation. The heat you feel is the energy from that fire, which is the radiation, which is radiating out, which is warming our bones, warming our skin, cooking our marshmallows, but it is literally the rest of the log radiating out. Whatever energy is in the log is radiating out from the log. So that if you were to go and get all that radiant energy and were able to measure that radiant energy and all the ashes, you would have the composition of that log. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's not unmade. It's just changed into something else. But in my mind and in my concept at my time where I was, where I was in that place back in 1994, 95, whenever this happened, I was just, whoa, wait a minute. It would be better if we were just unmade. If we, I would rather have just pure, just poof, goneness, just Total goneness, nothing, nothingness. And I was like, why can't we just have that? Why instead of us being a being that has to go into a lake of fire, if our name's not in the book of life, why can't we just find what's called oblivion? Okay. Why can't we just find oblivion? Do you know what oblivion is? No. Oblivion's a tough one. What do you think oblivion might be from what we're talking about? nothingness nothingness exactly that's exactly what oblivion is so why couldn't we just have oblivion because that's where everything came from was from oblivion right it was the whole world was created from nothing right everything was created from ex nihilo which means from nothingness from oblivion came the world the universe everything that's in it so why couldn't we just go back to that And I really struggled with that for years. I'm going to be honest with you because that made God seem very mean. Mm -hmm. I mean, really mean. And I couldn't, I can't serve. That's like serving Hitler, dude. You know, Hitler killed thousands of Jews, if not more. The Polish Jews were, I mean, if, if you were Jewish, you were sent to a concentration camp and they had these big old, this place called Auschwitz. And he had, you know, you just send, he just have them sent in and gassed and they would kill them by the thousands. It was horrible. How can I relate to a God that I would literally say is more like that than the God that I love? But here's the thing. And this is where it's, it's hard to understand, but once you get it, it makes sense. Okay, what we're talking about is called the problematic triad, okay? The problematic triad is this. If God is all-powerful, I mean all-powerful, if God is all-loving, I mean nothing but love, I love you. You're my creation. Even if I'm mad at you, I still love you more than I'm mad at you. Then how can evil, how can suffering, 
how can hell exist? All loving, all powerful, how can hell and, and, and suffering on this earth exist? And it wasn't until years later that I actually got the quote-unquote answer, which we'll talk about in a minute. But what I want to talk about is this, because Josie, there was something that happened before that that brought me back to God. And that thing was when I ran from God and said, God, I can't serve you. I can't do this. I walked away. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I'm going to just turn. And, and I went back to my old friends and my old ways. And it just it was weird. And I don't know. It, just, it was just weird. But in doing that, they had met new friends and we had all these people had gotten together and there were all these kind of parties and stuff like that and everything. And there was some dark stuff going on, like some really dark stuff, like dark magic type stuff, you know? And I was just like, whatever, you know what? If there's a God, there's got to be a devil. So whatever, if you're not going to serve one, you're serving the other, whatever. So I just rolled my eyes and I just went on and just went about my way. Well, we were at a party one night. And, of course, I went back to drinking, doing the things I shouldn't have done. And that night, there was a guy at the party, and he said that he was psychic. He said that he had raw psychic power, like he knew things. And I was like, wow, how can he know things? And the thing is, the devil can tell a person who is, you know, spiritual about things, you know. He can actually tell them about stuff like, you know, Stuff that maybe, maybe that uh, we don't know, but the devil knows. And so this guy looks at me and says, you know what? There's something about you. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, you are actually running from someone. What do you mean running from someone? And they're here. Somehow they're here. I got up left everything I had. I got up and I ran out of there and I was gone. I was done. I was no, 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 no. Because I knew exactly what he was talking about. I knew that he was talking about the fact that I was running from God. And I walked out of that place and I said, God, how, why? I mean, what? I, I, I left you. How could you be doing this? What are you doing? It changed the course of everything again because I I slowly but surely started making my way back to God. And him being faithful to me through that and all the things that went on. And I continued on slowly but surely building my faith, rebuilding it, okay? But this time, it was more of a knowledge-based thing. It wasn't just this emotional, oh, I love God, I love God, I love God. I wanted to know more and more about God. So what I did was I started reading the Bible and everything that I could get my hands on. All right. And it wasn't until years later until I finally got the answer because I was just, I was just going to do what they told me to do. Josie originally, what did they tell me to do? You just got to have faith. You just got to believe that God knows what he's doing. And you just got to have faith. So, what happened was this. 
I heard about through school, Luther Rice University, taking apologetics, which is a defense for God, by the way, and reading about a man named Albert Plantinga. And he came up with this theory. And I love this theory. And it's only a theory. It's not really, you know, it's not like we know what God is thinking, right? Because, I mean, we're fools if we think we know exactly what God is thinking. Because we are just, we can't even put our finite minds into the mind of an infinite, all-powerful being. But when he expressed it this way, God would not have made the world the way it is with suffering unless he had to for us to be who we are. If you read in the Bible, there are two different rules of thought. One rule of thought is that you were chosen by God. You were, you were elected by God. So in other words, God might choose you to become a Christian, but maybe didn't choose your friend or your friend's mom because God doesn't like them. God elected you, though, to become a Christian. And that's called Calvinism. Now, I know there's more to it, okay? There's more to it, and we're not going to get into it on this podcast. But what we are going to get into is the fact that the second rule of thought, okay, is that you have free will. And you have the ability to choose God. Okay? Now, for anybody who is interested, which may not be much, but I actually have a belief that both are correct. Because God is at the beginning and the end already. He already knows everything that happened. He already knows it. So in a way, you are kind of elected. You are kind of called. You are kind of, you know, I mean, there, there is some predestination going on. God preordained that his son would be, you know, I mean, you that's how you had prophecy because prophecy was said here and it happened here later on, right? The, the, the son of God was told through the book of Psalms, through the songs of David, the way that he died, what was happening when he died, and everyone and, and how people would act around him as he died. And it all came true at his death. The fact that the temple was destroyed. The fact that there, I mean, the fact that, that, you know, Israel is now a nation. There are so many things that were prophesied years before it ever happened. And it came true. Well, that, you know, how can you know if something's going to happen unless you kind of knew already in the future, right? Mm-hmm. So in the Bible, you see how God sees everything already. It's already happened. It's already happened. But you also read throughout the word of God that you have choices to make, that you have the ability to make that choice. And the great thing about it is that when we make these choices, we do it throughout our will. It's not like someone is a puppet master and he's like, you know, got us on strings exactly like a marionette, <laughs> right? And that makes us special because we have the ability, unlike angels and other beings, okay, 
Because even the devil, like a lot of people would tell me, you know, oh, the devil, he's 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 this way because that's just his nature. Really? Well, that's the nature that God gave him because he's a tool for God to purpose this so that you and I can make a choice. Because can you choose Jesus Christ if you can't make a choice? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whomsoever should believe in Jesus Christ will be forgiven and have everlasting life. They will not perish. So we can't make that choice if we don't have a choice. So how do you have a choice? What makes a choice? Well, you have to have what's called a moral world. And I'll explain to what that actually means. A moral world is this. We know the difference between good and bad. If I go out there and I see the neighbor walking with their dog, and I walk up and I shoot their dog, which would be what? Horrible, right? Absolutely. That would be a terrible thing to do. That's horrid. Especially if you knew it was someone else's dog. Yeah, I mean, that's horrid. That's terrible. That's a horrible choice to make. That is that is terrible. We know that that's what's called wrong. Well, let's say that that dog is heading straight for my daughter, Josie, and it is about to maul her face off, slobbering and rabies looking and all this other stuff, and I shoot that dog. Now, is that so horrible? Doesn't sound as horrible. <laughs> it doesn't sound as horrible because it's not wrong. Is it a tragic event still? Yes, it is still a tragic event because nobody wants to lose their dog, right? I mean, nobody does. It's, I mean, unless you're weird, which I mean, there are some weird people out there, I guess. But, you know, the, they're, those people are called cat people. So anyways, <laughs> looking at that event... From that light and the different perspective, we could say that one is right and one is wrong. That means that a moral event has to happen. You have to make a choice of what is right and what is wrong. Okay? So that's what a moral world is. And you can't make a choice between what is right or what is wrong if you only have one choice. Right? Mm -hmm. So if everything's right, you can't choose wrong. So what is, what is darkness technically? Darkness is the lack of light, right? Mm -hmm. What is cold? The lack of warmth. The lack of warmth, exactly. Technically, cold is just a lack of radiation. It's a lack of heat. So... What do you think the darkness of this world is? The the bad, the wrong, the the whore, the the suffering, all of that. The what lack, do you think that is? The lack, the lack of, of the Lord. The lack of God, right? And so we have a moral decision to make. We have a moral choice. But that has to happen within a moral world. And when you go and you make a good decision versus a bad decision, it's not like you're saying, well, this is good because of God, this is bad because not. It, it's But when you get to that choice where you have to choose God or not, 
it does make the difference. If you don't have the ability to choose God or to not choose God, then you're no better than the angels or you're no better than a dog or a cat or some, you know, any other animal on the planet. I mean, if a dog runs out and it, it kills a cat, it's not like a, it's a very tragic event because, you know, that might have been someone's cat, you know, but it's not like it's a horrible event because that's what dogs kind of do, right? I mean, dogs were born like that. Yeah, you know, so, you know, a cat chases a mouse, kills a mouse, brings it, and throws a throws a mouse or a squirrel on your your front porch. You don't look at it and go, "Bad cat, I can't believe you did that. That you was morally say, wrong." You just go, "Ew." Yeah, you just go, "Ooh, don't do that." You know, <laughs> <laughs> but you don't sit there and look at the cat and go, "You're an evil cat. You're so evil and wrong and bad." Cats do that to show affection sometimes. Exactly, that's just part of its nature. And so for us, we have a moral choice. And that moral choice is whether to fill our life with God or to fill our life with the emptiness, which is no God. Okay? I didn't know this. I had no idea. Until it was explained to me like that through Albert Plantinga. And I fell in love with God all the more. Again, I'm going to go back. God is love. Do you, for one instance, really and truly think that God wants it to be this way? No. As a matter of fact, if I read my Bible right, it says that God's will is that no one will perish, but that everyone will come to him. That's what God desires. That no one will perish. He doesn't want anybody to suffer any more in this world than they have to. He does not desire that for us. That is our God. He loves us. And he wants us to have a relationship with him. All right. So I just wanted to read. Okay, real quick. We've got uh, we've got a little thing about the last episode. Um, someone posted, and, and we'll do this one of the comments from, from our last episode. Hope all is well with you and the family. Great episode, my brother. And shout out to sweet Josie. <laughs> See, you you already have a fan base already <laughs> through this series. How about that? So, with that being said, God loves everyone. It doesn't matter what they're going through. It doesn't matter who you are. God loves you. You are important to him. So important that he gave his only son. He came down in the belly of a woman and became flesh. I'm talking like, you know, going to the bathroom, having to do this thing called eating and breathing and having to like survive for 33 years of his life or whatnot so that he could come to the point that he could die on the cross for you. Wouldn't he like, be very very smart because he already knows about all it because he created it yeah but the thing about jesus is he he said that his kingship and his godheadness all of that he said that's that i'm, I'm gonna put that all to the side and you know why he did that so that you and i could have a god that actually walked in our shoes because imagine this 
God says, you need to do this. You need to follow me and be my servant. You need to believe in me and do what I tell you to do. If Donald Trump walked up to you and said, Josie, you need to follow me. You need to give me all your money. You need to do all the things that I'm telling you to do. You need to do everything I say and obey me because I am above you. Man, you have not walked in my shoes. You have been rich since you were little. You've had your daddy's money. You've had your money. You've had all of these things that you do. Man, you've never walked in my shoes. You don't know what it's like to have to have worked four or five jobs. Maybe you did. I don't know. I'm not saying. You can read his books if you want to. I'm just using this as a rough example. But the truth is, I don't believe for one instance that you really know that you have walked in my shoes. And it's like having someone look at me and say, oh, you got six kids. Oh, well, that's your problem. Well, dude, you had what, two kids? So how do you know whether having six kids is my problem as to why I'm tired or why I'm this or why I'm cranky or whatever it might be? Because the truth is having six kids and having three kids is pretty much the same. You know, the only difference is you got more love to spread around. (laughs) But the point is, God put himself in the flesh and said no to his divinity. He said, I am am divine, but I am not going to be God. I'm going to be wholly human so that I can do all the human things. So that I know what it's like to be Josie. He did that for you. He did that for me. And he did that for all of you, my dear listeners. And I want to thank you all as we end this part of this series of why I will never not be a Christian. We love you guys and want to thank you so much for being with us on Heart of the Faithful Ministries. You guys are awesome. We thank you so much. Thank you for following Heart of the Faithful Ministries. Make sure that you subscribe, uh, listening to the music you hear at the beginning and the end of this that was actually done by myself. The artwork that you have and the graphics that was done by my other daughter, Ellie Howard. I want to thank my other daughter, which is Josephine Grace. Thank you so much for being with us, Josie. And we will definitely see you next time. Bye, guys. (laughs) Bye, guys. Make sure you give us a like. Give us a follow, subscribe, do whatever you got to do to make this ministry grow. We thank you so much for being with us. Stay vigilant, my friends.